Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast sponsored by Overdrive. Let's get the housekeeping out of the way at the top. Make sure you are following us on social media. We are at Pro Book Nerds on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. You can send us a note. We love to hear your feedback, your suggestions, your episode ideas to professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. With all of that said, hi, Joe. Hi, Emma. I'm so excited to talk to you today. I am so excited for the topic of today's episode. It sort of kicks off, although I think scheduling-wise, these are spaced out before our purposes behind the scenes podcast magic kicks off our sort of summer thriller, creepy series. (laughs) Yes. This is very indulgent. Uh, These these are the movies I want to watch at this time, the kind of books I want to read at this time. It definitely is kicking us into, I think, both of our summer vibe. Um, I think we each have like the, the branches where they go differently, but this definitely a solid, solid foundation in our, our summertime reading. It really does. And so the topic of today's episode, as y'all can see from the title, is final girls and books with that final girl trope. Now, we've talked about this trope on the podcast off and on with some of our different thriller recommendations. But Mm -hmm. quickly, just for setting the tone of this episode... We want to do a little bit of an overview of what we're talking about with that final girl trope. Yeah. So I'm going to do some history, backstory, all of that good stuff. Uh, This is from the article, I'm Not Your Final Girl on novelsuspects.com. But the term final girl was first coined by Carol J. Clover in her 1992 book, Men, Women, and Chainsaws, Gender in the Modern Horror Film. So it you know, kind of took a dive into what makes a final girl. And Clover defines the final girl as the sole survivor among a group of people who are being chased by a villain. Now, Emma and I have discussed this offline a bit. And I think for our purposes today, we do have a little bit of both that some of those final girls aren't just girls. But Overall, I think that the vibe that this encapsulates is the Laurie Strong at the end of Halloween having defeated, is it Jason? Michael Myers yet again. I have yeah. to remember which one it was. <laughs> <laughs> having defeated Michael Myers yet again. Uh, but this definition does seem pretty inclusive. We're just talking about sole survivor uh, chased by a villain. So I think that's a, a pretty key component there. 
And we see this a lot, obviously, in horror for both like cinema and for books. But we've started to see, I think, more and more of this final girl trope trickle into kind of like mainstream mystery thrillers. Definitely. And also, as we'll recommend a little bit, into young adult. So it's interesting to see how people take this sort of final girl trope and put their own spin on it a little bit. I was going to say, it's really interesting to see how much final girl has, the, the final girl concept has changed from what I was mentioning from that article into like the 90s when we saw Scream take it and do the whole um, satire on the trope, but then turning themselves into like the thing of which they were making fun. Um, and then Cabin in the Woods in 2011, talking about how the the point of the final girl was a sacrifice to appease demons called the ancient ones. Like, I think all of that is super cool. And I love that where we're at today, it, it bleeds. Oh, wow. Talk about a pun, unintentional pun. There. <laughs> but, but the final girl trope has bled into so many different genres. Like you were saying, Emma, into YA. And then also that the concept has changed so much that we've gone from a little bit of, I think at the beginning, damsel in distress or surviving against all odds. Like I think of um, even just thinking of Scream where Sydney survives on her own merit because we were starting to see the escalation and like the change of the final girl, but because also so many people threw themselves in front of the killer. So I think that was the initial, a lot of people dying because this one person has to live and now it's a lot more um, like we see in traditional thrillers, plotting, planning, how do we solve this? And more building of the character background so we care when we lose someone compared to maybe some of the past Final Girl you know, franchises where it was really just slasher and you were curious to see who survived, but you didn't care about everyone who died along the way. Right. You definitely get invested, I feel like, in these in some of the recommendations that we have for you today, you want to see them come out the other side. And so we each have some picks that fit or mostly fit this final girl trope, but we also wanted to call out some general recommendations. If you want to start your final girls reading list, we would be remiss to not mention these, although they have been mentioned on the podcast before, which is why we're not going to go into too much detail here. But the first of those is Final Girls by Riley Sager. Of course, this came out in 2017 and it follows a group of self, not self-proclaimed because the media proclaimed them, final girls who were the sole survivors of uh, several different incidents who kind of have that in common and have to deal with the aftermath of of being identified as a final girl by the media. Right. And then seeing this group of final girls kind of final girl again to a degree, trying to unlock who is basically like the newest of them in the group, uh, the memories that she cannot remember. It's a fantastic ride in true Riley Sager fashion. You've got all of the twists and turns and it's it's fun. I mean, it's a it's a fun read, but right, all, all three of these we've recommended uh, quite a few times. Right, and uh, one we recommended recently, 
actually comes out June twentieth tomorrow. Yeah, the time that we're recording. (laughs) Yeah, and that is "You're Not Supposed to Die Tonight" by Kaylin Bayron. This is a young adult thriller again that follows uh, Charity. She has a job at summer camp, so again, a lot of these thriller tropes that we love, and she's playing a final girl. At this camp, the whole point is to have people be purposefully scared uh, in this setting until suddenly it's not acting, it's not pretend. That's the actual situation. There's a killer on the loose. So again, an, an interesting twist on that where they're they're even playing at the final girl trope and then it becomes reality. So that's going to be fantastic. It's so cool to see that YA setup and also to have the concept of like a living, uh, like a, nope, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, a haunted house basically as a summer camp. So have your own final girl experience turned real. And that's juicy. Do you know what that reminds me of actually? This mm-hmm. is going to be a really silly reference, but my Please. favorite episode of Psych, Tuesday the 17th. <laughs> Where they're like at a, well, it's not a spoiler. The show's been out for like 20 years, I feel like, where they're they're actually at like a summer camp situation like this where you're supposed to be scared and mm-hmm. everything is meant to be, you know, right. you're meant to be scared, to but be then, scared. right, it does actually turn into murder, like into a crime because that's why they're into there. a real crime. <laughs> right. That's why Sean and Gus are there to solve the crime. But anyways, it, it's funny to see how that twist is put on this in pop culture. Yeah. In today, in 2023, the last of our kind of recommended reading before we dive into our list is The Final Girl Support Group by Grady Hendrix. I actually just finished this one. If you've been following us on Instagram, I loved it. It is a twisty thrill ride. And similar to Final Girl's This follows a group of final girls, um, but this one takes kind of a different approach to it, that they have this support group that they're meeting at once a week, uh, and it shares a little bit of backstory of each of the final girls, what they've experienced, but it also does the really fun world building of what if all of the horror movies and slashers that we've been watching were inspired by real people. So in this case, all of these women have these extensive movie franchises and backstories and people want to buy merchandise that belonged to them. So it uh, also a fun twisty thrill ride. Uh, The audiobook was a fun experience. So tuck that one in your back pocket as well. Check out our general reading. And then (laughs) we're going to dive into some of our picks that we think fit this trope or are similar enough to this trope that we can get away with recommending them here. My first pick is annoyingly something that does not come out until April of 2024. Put your holds on and let me now tell your library to pre-order this. It is from one of my favorite authors in the thriller mystery genre, Sally Hepworth. Her newest book is called Darling Girls. It comes out again, April, 2024. So you've got plenty of time to prepare for this one. Now, details on this book are a little light, but from the description that she released to her newsletter subscribers, I think it fits the bill. For as long as they can remember, Claudia, Margot, and Jackie have been told how lucky they are. 
rescued from family tragedies. So see, I'm using family tragedies as a little bit all-encompassing here, but I think it still fits the bill. They're raised by a loving foster mother on an idyllic farming estate, and they were given an elusive second chance of a happy family life. But their childhood wasn't the fairy tale everyone thinks it was. And when a body is discovered under the home they grew up in, the foster sisters find themselves thrust into the spotlight as key witnesses. Or are they prime suspects? A thrilling page turner by New York Times bestselling author Sally Hepworth of Sisterhood, Secrets, Love, and Murder. I think similar vibes. I'll wait to see when we have a more detailed description, but I am using their sort of rescued from family tragedies as an in to this trope. Since we don't know what the tragedies are, it might not be surviving a serial killer or something. Any chance to talk about Sally Hepworth? I'm going to do. And we've got girls in the title. So (laughs) I feel like it counts. (laughs) I I think that's a great point, though. Uh, One of the things that I've found really expanding my what is a final girl horizon, especially reading some of that description from the article, is really that now it's just someone who is the survivor of a trauma. I, I feel like we could have pulled a lot of different titles. Now we're sticking a little closer to that, you know serial killer right. mass murderer whatever right where we can yeah right where we can but i i think that totally counts my first pick is a graphic novel that just came out at the start of this month and i would say it's like <laughs> vaguely along emma's route of my first one maybe be might be a little bit of a swerve from the genre but i think it works this is boys weekend by maddie lubchansky newly out trans artists assistant sammy is invited to an old friend's bachelor weekend in el campo a hedonistic wonderland of a city floating in the atlantic ocean's international waters think las vegas with even fewer rules Though they have not identified as a man for over a year, Sammy's college buddies haven't quite gotten the message, as evidenced by their formerly closest friend Adam asking them to be his best man. Arriving at the swanky hotel, Sammy immediately questions their decision to come. Bad enough that they have to suffer through a torrent of passive-aggressive comments from the groom's pals, all met with zero pushback from supposed nice guy Adam. But also they seem to be the only one who's noticed the mysterious cult that's also staying at the hotel and is ritually dismembering guests and demanding fealty to their bloodthirsty God. Part satire, part horror, Boys Weekend explores what it's like to exist as a trans femme person in a man's world, the difficulty of maintaining friendships through transition, and the more cult-like effects of masculinity, hustle culture, and capitalism, all through the vibrant lens of a surreal, scary, and immensely imaginative romp. So, you know, I think that sounds fantastic. Adult graphic novel, Boys Weekend by Maddie Lubchansky. I think that'll be a great time. And I uh, am curious to see who the final person is in this case. Oh, absolutely. I love the unique twist on this, again, final girl trope. My next pick is an older one, but that shouldn't stop you from checking it out. It is The Shining Girls by Lauren Bucus. This came out in 2013, I believe, and they have since adapted it into an Apple TV series with Elizabeth Moss. 
here we meet Harper Curtis, who is a killer stepped out of the past. Kirby Mesrachi is the girl who is never meant to have a future. Kirby is the last shining girl, one of the bright young women burning with potential whose lives Harper is destined to snuff out after he stumbles on a house in Depression-era Chicago that opens on to other times. At the urging of the house, Harper inserts himself into the lives of these shining girls, waiting for the perfect moment to strike. He's the ultimate hunter, vanishing without a trace into another time after each murder, until one of his victims survives. Determined to bring her would-be killer to justice, Kirby joined the Chicago Sun-Times to work with the reporter, Dan Velasquez, who covered her case. Soon, Kirby finds herself closing in on an impossible truth. So a little bit of a cool premise here where we've got some time travel. We've got, um, again, like a serial killer who travels through time in order to escape his crimes uh, and other things. So that is The Shining Girls by Lauren Bukas. So cool. I love adding in the concept of disappearing into a different part of time. Right. It's a little bit even like the stakes are even more difficult then to try to figure out what happened. And when. <laughs> yeah. I love it. My next pick, uh, f- friend of the pod, Riley Sager. I know we talk about him a lot and I could probably throw quite a few of his books in a list to say final girl, but this book of, of all of them, feels perhaps the most final girly to me. So this is Survive the Night by Riley Sager. Josh Baxter, the man behind the wheel, is a virtual stranger to Charlie. They met at the campus ride board, each looking to share the long drive back home to Ohio. Both have good reasons for wanting to get away. For Charlie, it's guilt and grief over the shocking murder of her best friend, who became the third victim of the man known as the campus killer. For Josh, it's to help care for his sick father, or so he says. The longer she sits in the passenger seat, the more Charlie notices there's something suspicious about Josh. From the holes in his story about his father, to how he doesn't want her to see inside the trunk. As they travel an empty, twisty highway in the dead of night, an increasingly anxious Charlie begins to think she's sharing a car with the campus killer. Is Josh truly dangerous? Or is Charlie's jittery mistrust merely a figment of her movie-fueled imagination? One thing is certain, Charlie has nowhere to run and no way to call for help. Trapped in a terrifying game of cat and mouse played out on pitch black roads and in neon lit parking lots, Charlie knows the only way to win is to survive the night. So that's Survive the Night by Riley Sager. Dun, dun, dun. Of course, as always, (laughs) banana pants twists. (laughs) We love Riley Sager's books. It's definitely been the vibe lately. I actually just read two of his books back to back. So I... Pretty much any of his books, I think, might be a good fit for this episode, but. Definitely. That one, especially with uh, where it ends up, I think we've got quite a few final girl tropey bits in Survive the Night. Absolutely. So speaking of nights, my next pick is The Night Shift by Alex Finlay. This came out in March of 2022. Now, this book was... On literally every list, I think we saw last year, e-news, Goodreads, Book Riot, you know, novel suspects, London Times. So 
this book was everywhere, but I think it fits perfectly to this final girl's trope. The night was expected to bring tragedy, in quotes. So begins one of the most highly anticipated thrillers in recent years. It's New Year's Eve, 1999. I remember this so well. Y2K is expected to end in chaos, planes falling from the sky, elevators plunging to earth, world markets collapsing, a digital apocalypse, but none of that happens. But at the Blockbuster video in New Jersey, four teenagers working late at the store are attacked. Only one inexplicably survives. Police quickly identify a suspect, the boyfriend of one of the victims, who flees and is never seen again. Fifteen years later, more teenage employees are attacked at an ice cream store in the same town, and again, only one makes it out alive. In the aftermath of the latest crime, three lives intersect. The lone survivor of the blockbuster massacre who's forced to relive the horrors of her tragedy the brother of the fugitive accused who's convinced the police have the wrong suspect, and the FBI agent Sarah Keller who must delve into the secrets of both nights, stirring up memories of teen love and lies to uncover the truth about murders on the night shift. Wow. This is said to be twisty, poignant, and redemptive. The Night Shift is a story about the legacy of trauma and how the broken can come out on the other side, and it solidifies Finley as one of the new leading voices in the world of thrillers. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm Anne-Marie Kelly. Wild Precious Life is a podcast about dreaming big, digging in and connecting across distance, division, and loss. In each episode, I talk with prize-winning writers, musicians, and wanderers who remind all of us how we can make the most of the time we have. So meet me here. Let's walk and talk and dream and discover what it means to be wild, precious, and brave. I will say a lot of the appeal of this book, other than a little bit of the hype, is the setting. Mm Mm-hmm. That 1999 Y2K blockbuster on a Friday night nostalgia for me is so real. Absolutely. I was going to put this book on my list too for exactly the same reason. I remember prepping for that New Year's. Like my parents bought new garbage cans that we filled with water just in case because we didn't know what was going to like no one knew anything and then happy new year nothing shut down like truly for anyone who's younger than us who does not know about y2k hi how are you um there was a thought that the computers wouldn't know how to handle the change flipping over right? right that it would go from 1999 and it wouldn't know how to flip over to 2000 mm-hmm And they just thought that that would shut everything down for an indeterminate amount of time. That could be like water systems, that could be banking, it could be anything. And 
people were just afraid. And so yeah. it was like the Y2K bug is what they were calling it. Right. And, and the, we had that, a lot like, less access to news back then. So even when it was like learning now, even though it was fixed before most of us even knew that it mm-hmm. could have been fixed, no, no one knew, no one was aware. And right. yeah. you just like this sense of foreboding, like you didn't know what was going to happen right? when midnight hit on that, you know, 2000. And I also think like, again, for people that are younger than we are, if you can't relate, I'm sorry, because it was elite Friday night plans, going to Blockbuster and figuring Mm -hmm. out what your movies were going to be for the weekend, like browsing the displays. I'm sorry. There was no better feeling on a Friday night than going to Blockbuster video. It was truly a different world. You could go and rent video games. You Mm -hmm. could go print out your pictures from Pokemon Snap at a machine in the store and Mm -hmm. have little stickers of the pictures you took. Like Mm -hmm. there was so much to it. It was, it was just superior. It was so good. You'd like have to try to predict your, like your vibe. Did you want a comedy? Did you want again, a thriller? Did you want something scary? What were your parents going to let you rent? Like the ratings. (laughs) But also as our old selves complain about, Mm -hmm. you know, not being able or having to pay for all of these different streaming services, still cheaper than renting like three videos for the weekend. So Correct. Correct. Just because the feeling was better doesn't mean it was. (laughs) It it was definitely of the time that I think it's very easy to be nostalgic for now. (laughs) And back then, libraries, you know, now they have all of the DVDs, all of the Blu-rays happening the moment. Back then, yes, there were VHS rent, like borrowing VHSs and such, but it was not to the same degree that you see today. Absolutely. And again, like we didn't have any of these streaming services, like things at our fingertips. The only way to know what was going on, like you had to go and browse the new releases. (laughs) Right. This still predates (laughs) Netflix mailing out DVDs. I'm like feeling old in that. Like if we wanted to know what was playing at the movie theater, you had to call and listen to the times. You had to call and listen to the the movie line or open up a newspaper. Right. Or check the paper for the showtimes. Oh my gosh. All right. And now that we feel sufficiently old, uh, my my next pick is A Flicker in the Dark by Stacey Willingham. This was uh, Stacey's debut in January of 2022. And the quote from Karen Slaughter is a smart edge of your seat story with plot twists you'll never see coming. Stacey Willingham's debut will keep you turning pages long past your bedtime. It can't pass up a full quote like that from Karen Slaughter herself. When Chloe Davis was 12, six teenage girls went missing in her small Louisiana town. By the end of summer, her own father had confessed to the crimes and was put away for life, leaving Chloe and the rest of her family to grapple with the truth and try to move forward while dealing with the aftermath. Now, 20 years later, Chloe is a psychologist in Baton Rouge and getting ready for her wedding. While she finally has a fragile grasp on the happiness she's worked so hard to achieve, she sometimes feels as out of control of her own life as the troubled teens who are her patients. So when a local teenage girl goes missing, and then another, that terrifying summer comes crashing back. Is she paranoid, seeing parallels from her past that aren't actually there? Or, for the second time in her life, is Chloe about to unmask the killer? 
A Flicker in the Dark is eerily compelling to the very last page. So that is A Flicker in the Dark from Stacey Willingham. I know it doesn't fit exactly the trope because this is more the, I found this one really interesting and wanted to throw it on because it's from the other side. It's from the family affected by being the family of the killer. Uh, Or are they? Who knows? We'll find out once we read it. Right. It sounds so good. And again, like the cover is creepy and I think fits the vibe. The cover is creepy and truly with a quote like that from Karen Slaughter. Yeah. I would be remiss. (laughs) Exactly. Definitely one to watch. Well, my next pick is My Heart is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones. Now, he was on the podcast earlier this year and had a great conversation about Final Girls and other things, including his newest book, Don't Fear the Reaper with Jill. So if you haven't listened to that conversation, uh, scroll back through the archives and check that out. I believe that came out in February of this year. But this one, My Heart is a Chainsaw, is described as Shirley Jackson meets Friday the 13th. So already, come on, we're, (laughs) yes. On the surface is a story of murder in small town America, but beneath is its beating heart, a biting critique of American colonialism, indigenous displacement, and gentrification, and a heartbreaking portrait of a broken young girl who uses horror movies to cope with the horror of her own life. Jade Daniels is an angry half-Indian outcast with an abusive father, an absent mother, and an entire town that wants nothing to do with her. She lives in her own world, a world in which protection comes from an unusual source. Horror movies, especially the ones where a masked killer seeks revenge on a world that wronged them. And Jade narrates the quirky history of proof rock as if it is one of those movies. But when blood actually starts to spill into the waters of Indian Lake, she pulls us into her dizzying encyclopedic mind of blood and masked murderers and exactly how the plot will unfold. Yet even as Jade drags us into her dark fever dream, a surprising and intimate portrait emerges, a portrait of the scared and traumatized little girl beneath the Jason Voorhees mask, angry, yes, but also a girl who easily cries, fiercely loves, and desperately wants a home. A girl whose feelings are too big for her body. My heart is a chainsaw is her story, her homage to horror and revenge and triumph. Yeah, so this is My Heart is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones. This is part of the Indian Lake trilogy that came out in 2021. So definitely a critique on many things, but the use of those horror tropes is really interesting here. Definitely. And I think there are many books from Stephen who could go into this list, but this, fantastic. Jill, what is your next one? My next pick is The Counselors by Jessica Goodman. I have been dying to read this book since it came out in May of last year. Here is another YA pick. The cover, fantastic. I'm getting all the sneaky stuff that I would usually say at the end of the description in there, but uh, okay, so The Counselors, here we go. Camp Alpine Lake is the only place where Goldie Easton feels safe. She's always had a special connection to the place, even before she was old enough to attend. The camp is the lifeline of Roxwood, the small town she lives in. Alpine Lake provides jobs, money, and prestige to the region. 
Few Roxwood locals, though, get to reap the rewards of living so close to the Glam Summer Camp with its five-figure tuition and rich kids who have been dumped there for eight weeks by their powerful parents. Goldie's one of them. Even with her towny background, Goldie has never felt more at home at camp. And now she's back as a counselor, desperate for summer to start and her best friends, Ava and Imogen, to arrive. Because Goldie has a terrible, dark secret she's been keeping, and she's more in need of the comfort than ever. But Goldie's not the only person at camp who's been lying. When a teen turns up dead in the lake one night, she knows that the death couldn't have been an accident. She also knows that Ava was at the lake the same night. What did Ava see, and what does she know? Why hasn't she said anything to Goldie about the death? Worse, what did Ava do? But asking questions offers no answers, only broken bonds of lifelong friendship with hidden danger and betrayals deeper than Goldie could have ever imagined. So that is The Counselors by Jessica Goodman. This is also a great time to sneak in the fact that we are doing a summer camp episode or a camp books episode in the next few weeks here. And while this one could have easily gone on my camp book picks, I think when you read through this story, you'll see just exactly how well this fits into the final girl's frontier. That sounds so good. Definitely. I think Jessica Goodman definitely has a lot of books in this YA thriller space that appeal to me and I think appeal to a lot of readers. I think her new one comes out this fall, this summer, July 25th. The Legacies bonus rack. <laughs> Not Final Girls, but Jessica Goodman. <laughs> My next pick is a little bit of a departure, not departure, a little bit of a twist from that final girl trope because it still tells the story of somebody who survived a crime, um, but in this case is a man. So I wasn't sure how literal we were taking the final girl's trope. I think if we just leave it as the final survivor, that fits and adds a little bit of spice to our recommendations. But this pick is In the Woods by Tana French. This came out in 2007, so it is not new. But her Dublin Murder Squad series is one of my favorites out there. As dusk approaches a small Dublin suburb in the summer of 1984, mothers begin to call their children home. But on this warm evening, three children do not return from the dark and silent woods. When the police arrive, they find only one of the children gripping a tree trunk in terror, wearing blood-filled sneakers and unable to recall a single detail of the previous hours. 20 years later, the found boy, Rob Ryan, is a detective on the Dublin murder squad and keeps his past a secret. But when a 12-year-old girl is found murdered in the same woods, he and Detective Cassie Maddox, his partner and closest friend, find themselves investigating a case chillingly similar to the previous unsolved mystery. Now, with only snippets of long-buried memories to guide him, Ryan has the chance to uncover both the mystery of the case before him and that of his own shadowy past. Richly atmospheric, stunning in its complexity, and utterly convincing and surprising to the end, In the Woods is sure to enthrall fans of Mystic River and Lovely Bones. This is so good. Mm -hmm. 
It's so good. And you know what? I read this back when it came out and I've read the other books in the Dublin Murder Squad series since. I've reread The Likeness, which is the second book, many times. I don't remember what happens in this book and it's driving me nuts now that we've been looking at the description. (laughs) I'm like, who did it? What was the thing? So if you want to know, (laughs) definitely check out In the Woods. I may have to do a cheeky little reread of this. That is what I love, not only about thrillers, but about final girl storylines, is that for whatever reason, whether it's book or movie, my brain just goes blank when I try to think back on them and they maintain their reread or rewatchability for me. Yeah. And I wonder if that's because we read so many thrillers Mm -hmm. that sometimes it's very easy for things to all blur together, that it's like we're already on to the next. I've forgotten what the twist was here or what happened in this book like seven thrillers ago. Right. But it's funny what does stick with me and then like what doesn't. Right. There will be times that I'm like, this is what stands out the most and I have to tell everyone about it. And then I could have read the book last week. And if you just read it and you're like, what did you think of this? I would go, that happened in the same book that we both just read. Right. Some of those twists really stick out to me. Like we could easily talk about the twists in The House Across the Lake by Riley Sager. But yeah, I don't really recall the, you know, mystery in the heart of In the Woods. And again, that could just be time. Like I read how we read House Across the Lake last year. I read this back in 2007. Could be time. Could also just be the fact of like when I really like something, I want to be able to enjoy it again. So maybe my brain is just helping me. Right. Exactly. You kind of suspend your disbelief all over again. So you can be pleasantly surprised by that twist or that reveal. So my next pick is a little cheeky peek ahead. This one comes out in August this year, August 15th, 2023. This is The Last Girls Standing by Jennifer Duggan. I'm super looking forward to this one. Love the cover, love the concept because we are diving into a queer YA psychological thriller that has a group of survivors from a summer camp massacre, the surviving counselors. So let's dive in. Sloan and Cherry, Cherry and Sloan. They met only a few days before masked men with machetes attacked the summer camp where they worked, a massacre that left the rest of their fellow counselors dead. Now, months later, the two are inseparable, their traumatic experience bonding them in ways no one can understand. But as new evidence comes to light and Sloane learns more about the motives behind the ritual killings that brought them together, she begins to suspect that her girlfriend may be more than just a survivor. She may actually be a part of it. Cherry tries to reassure her, but Sloane only becomes more distraught. Is this gaslighting a reality? Is Cherry a victim or a perpetrator? Is Sloane confused or is she seeing clearly or is she seeing things clearly for the very first time? Against all odds, Sloane survived that hot summer night. Will she survive? What comes next? So that is The Last Girl's Standing by Jennifer Duggan out August 15th, 2023. I love going into it with all of this knowledge ahead of time to see just how it's going to play out. Emma, what's your last pick? My last pick is another throwback title. This came out in 2015. And I remember when this came out because of the stunning cover. 
it's also very creepy. I'm not going to lie. So this is Black Eyed Susans by Julia Heberlin. This again came out August of 2015. So again, that summer thriller publication date is very much the vibe. Now, the cover is very jarring as it's a woman covered in, I would assume, Black Eyed Susan flowers. And no, it just looks creepy to me. But anyways, all of that leads to the vibe of this very compelling story. As a 16-year-old, Tessa Cartwright was found in a Texas field, barely alive amid a scattering of bones with only fragments of memory as to how she got there. Ever since, the press has pursued her as the lone surviving Black-Eyed Susan the nickname given to the murder victims because of the yellow carpet of wildflowers that flourished above their shared grave. Tessa's testimony about those tragic hours put a man on death row. Now, almost two decades later, Tessa is an artist and single mother. In the desolate cold of February, she's shocked to discover a freshly planted patch of black-eyed Susans, a summertime bloom, just outside her bedroom window. Terrified of the implications that she sent the wrong man to prison and the real killer remains at large, Tessa turns to the lawyers working to exonerate the man awaiting execution. But the flowers alone are not proof enough, and the forensic investigation of the still unidentified bones is progressing too slowly. An innocent life hangs in the balance. The legal team appeals to Tessa to undergo hypnosis to retrieve lost memories and to share the drawings she produced as part of an experimental therapy shortly after her rescue. What they don't know is that Tessa and the scared, fragile girl she was have built a fortress of secrets. As the clock ticks toward the execution, Tessa fears for her sanity, but even more for the safety of her teenaged daughter. Is a serial killer still roaming free, taunting Tessa with a trail of clues? She has no choice but to confront old ghosts and lingering nightmares to finally discover what really happened that night. Shocking, intense, and utterly original, Black Eyed Susans is a dazzling psychological thriller seamlessly weaving past and present in a searing tale of a young woman whose harrowing memories remain in a field of flowers as a killer makes a chilling return to his garden. So creepy. Oh, so creepy. So good. So good. I mean, and I think it goes without saying that all of these books are extremely grim. Yes. <laughs> they all have a variety of like graphic or not graphic. Yeah. Right. There's a lot you have to be warned before there's going into this. a but... lot you should be wary of, but Wow. There's a lot of layers here to this. And I do enjoy a story where we're dealing with past and present and we get a little bit of what happened then, what's happening now. And as those, as we learn more and more, this is very common in this genre, you learn more and more like things come together where you can, I think, make certain guesses mm-hmm. or again, you can just let the story unfold. We love a bit of a time jump and we love when it's being delivered to us, but we can choose to ignore it until it's like, until the cover is pulled off the tray. Right. Exactly. So yeah, that was Black Eyed Susans by Julia Heberlin. So my final title, you know, maybe a bit of a depart from the genre as a whole, 
but I, I think it fits. And I think it, it brings a little bit of something for everyone. So if you are an Agatha Christie lover and you want a, let's see, uh, sexy suspense and spine tingling reimagining of one of her classics, this just might be for you. This is Reckless Girls by Rachel Hawkins. This came out in January of 2022. And I I love the, the line on the cover. They're dying for an escape. Like, <laughs> we know what we're in for already. One island, beautiful, wild, and strange, Marrow Island is a desolate spot in the middle of the Pacific Ocean with a mysterious history of shipwrecks, cannibalism, and even rumors of murder. It's the perfect destination for the most adventurous traveler to escape everything except the truth. Six visitors, six stunning 20-somethings are about to embark on a blissful, free-spirited journey, one filled with sun-drenched days and intoxicating nights. But as it becomes clear that the group is even more cut off from civilization than they initially thought, it starts to feel like the island itself is closing in, sending them on a dangerous spiral of discovery. Countless secrets. When one person goes missing and another turns up dead, the remaining friends wonder what dark currents lie beneath this impenetrable paradise and who else will be swept under its secluded chaos. With its island gothic sensibility, sexy suspense, and spine-tingling reimagining of Agatha Christie, Reckless Girls will wreck you. So that is Reckless Girls by Rachel Hawkins. I feel like we can always count on Rachel Hawkins for a really good thriller. To deliver solid thriller, uh, and this one includes another, like, maybe final girl, maybe final group. I won't tell. You'll just have to read and find out. Exactly. That wraps up our suggestions for the final girl tropey reads. We hope you found a lot of things to add to your reading list. And if you end up checking out one of these books, let us know which one on social media. We are at Pro Book Nerds. Happy reading. Happy reading. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com or in Libby. Our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen Podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer and Joe Skelly and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. I'm Allison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. Equipped with a microphone and a long-term fascination of the Kennedy family, I am joined by an incredible cast of experts, friends, and guests to take you on a fun, relaxed, yet informative journey through history and pop culture. From book references to fashion to philanthropy to our modern expectations of the presidency itself, you'll see that there is so much more to Kennedy than just JFK or conspiracy theories. Join me for the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast.